live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So, Gru, are you looking for something to do tomorrow night? It's Friday night. You and Mrs. Gru getting ready to go out, look for a fish fry? Thinking about that, maybe? We don't have plans, but a fish fry sounds great. A fish fry sounds great. If it sounds great to you, all right, here's what you can do. You can join me at a special fish fry tomorrow. Here's the deal. A couple weeks ago, I I had um, actually my my wife's granddaughter and my son-in-law and a couple other kids on. We we did this special thing where we were talking about this charity event. Um, It's called Students of the Year, and and it's area high school students who are banding together, and they are raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And chances are, maybe you've even gotten a solicitation, asked to help participate, something like that. Well, on Friday, that is tomorrow, all right, the the, the team that my wife has been working with and stuff, they're they're having a fish fry, 5 to 9 p.m., Fairways of Woodside, that's out in Sussex. So if you happen to be out in Sussex, It's a big fundraiser for, again, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and we talked about that on the radio a couple weeks ago, and uh, a portion of the proceeds from every dinner that people buy, it it goes to, you know, fight this, this, this awful, awful disease. On top of that, if you make a donation, I think it's got to be 50 bucks or more, Fairways will donate a free round of golf. How cool is that? It's, It's all great, and... I'm going to be there from like 5 until 9. So if you're looking for a good fish fry and you happen to be in the Sussex area or what the heck, it's going to be a nice night, you can drive out to Sussex. Um, Fairways of Woodside, it's fish fry for a cause, and I will be there tomorrow. should be a lot of fun, and we're raising money for a very, very worthwhile cause. All right. Back off, Gru. My head is ready to explode. An update on a story we talked about, oh, a couple times over the course of the last month or two. The Common Council of the City of Milwaukee, in my opinion, is way out of line. And I hope the people that are affected sue them to try to get this particular policy overturned. What am I talking about? Well, you might recall that in in mid-December, there was a, a member of the Common Council who went public whining about how a hotel um, located on the northwest side of Milwaukee wouldn't allow her to check in. She had tried to check in with her family and the hotel, and this is out in Park Place, the hotel said, no, we have a policy where we do not allow, we do not accept reservations from and allow people to check in if you live within a 30 mile radius of the hotel. 
So it it's not just aimed at Milwaukee residents. I mean, if you you know if you live within a thirty mile radius of the hotel, it doesn't matter whether you live in Waukesha or Washington County or Ozaki County or Milwaukee County, it, you, you're not allowed to check in. This is the policy they have. There are a number of other area hotels that have the same policy. They essentially don't rent to locals. Now, why would you not do that? Now, let me just say at the beginning, I, I'm not saying that I think it's a great policy one way or the other. All right. I, but why do they do it? Well, they do it because, for example, if you're an airport hotel, they, they want to cater to the business traveler, the people who are, you know, flying in and going to be, you know, staying overnight or staying for a couple of days for business meetings. Secondly, the hotels have obviously decided that if you rent to locals, it's it creates problems. Um, some of the problems, prostitution. Some of the problems, uh, people decide, hey, we want to have a, a big house party, and we don't want to have people over to our house, so I know, let's rent a room at the hotel, and we'll have 30 people over, and we'll use the pool, etc. And it ends up, from the perspective of the hotel, being more trouble than it's worth. That's the purpose behind the policy that the hotels have. Now, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but the businesses make that policy. Um, after this breaks... You have a couple of the usual suspects in the Common Council who are denouncing this, saying, this is racist, this is terrible. Well, all right. Then the media gets involved, and they start calling up, and they find out, first of all, it's not just directed at people from the city of Milwaukee, number one. Again, the, the hotels that are administering this, they ask, okay, where, where are you calling from? Where do you live? What's your home address? No, I'm sorry, we don't rent to what I'm calling locals. Secondly, it, it's... It, nobody's been able to find any evidence at all based on the, proving that it's, it's targeted a particular race. I mean, it's geographic-based, and it's based, again, on my belief that these hotels have decided, in some cases, renting to locals are more trouble than they're worth, and it's worth. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. They're, they're wrong. There's lots of hotels that don't have that policy, but the hotels that have the policy have it for a reason. Well, the Common Council has just, by a unanimous vote, they have just voted to make this policy illegal. Um, They have removed the ban. Milwaukee residents, I'm reading from the story on today's TMJ4, who have been turned away by specific hotels, barring them from renting rooms, will no longer have to worry about the matter within city limits. The Milwaukee Common Council voted unanimously to bar city hotels from using the 30-mile radius rule, which keeps Milwaukee residents from renting certain rooms. We've removed the ban. It's illegal for you to have a geographic location, older woman Shantia Lois said. All right. Let's open up the phone lines, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know and haven't researched the full scope of whether or not the Common Council is legally allowed to do this. I hope the hotels that were involved have lawyers on retainer who can take a look at this and bring a lawsuit if they feel that it is illegal to ban them from having this policy. But bigger picture. I think the hotels have every right 
to do this as long as, again, they apply it fairly. If there was evidence that the hotels were saying, no, um, you know, we're not going to apply, we're not going to allow Latino residents of Milwaukee to check in, but we will allow white residents, that's a different story. But this is a policy that, to me, makes sense. And as long as you apply it across the board to whites and blacks and people who are brown and green and blue, and as long as, if it's a if it's a distance thing, as long as you apply it to people who live in the city of Milwaukee and also you live, you know, in Mequon and West Bend or whatever, I think hotels should have every right to do this. I don't think the Common Council has any justification for doing this. This is pandering in the extreme. And I think the businesses should have a right to implement this rule. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls we discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jeff, they are discriminating against citizens that live within their area. That would be the hotels. If they don't want us, they can take their hotel somewhere else. Well, I think it's a form of discrimination. It is a form of discrimination. But we discriminate all the time about things. The question is, should hotels have the right to do that? And my answer is, yeah. If you as a hotel owner have decided, you know, it's not worth the trouble that we have to rent to locals. Because whether it's wild pool parties or prostitution or drug dealing, problems that they don't typically have – if they're catering to, to business travelers or people who are coming in from out of town, I think they should have the right to implement that policy as long as they do it equally, fairly across the board. And I don't think it's the common council's business to tell them that they can't. And this idea of, oh, it's we're going to play the race card on this. Well, there's no evidence of that now, because last time I checked, there are lots of white people Lots of Latino people, lots of black people who within live within, say, a 30-mile radius of one of the hotels out on the northwest side of Milwaukee. And as long as they're not renting to any of those people, well, it seems to me it's being applied fairly across the board. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dave on the south side. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Dave. Hello. Hi, Dave. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I, I disagree with you. What if your heat was out, like at your house, Jeff? Yep. And you need a hotel, and that one's right in the area. So you go to a different uh, hotel. There's lots of hotels. You go to a different hotel that doesn't have the policy. Right. But but, but the, the common council's thinking more hotels will start to do that, and then maybe there'll be lots of them in the area that do that. Then there's only a couple hotels have a choice from well okay first of all i mean but see dave that's not first of all that's not the case right now it's actually there's only a couple hotels that have that policy and my guess is that policy comes from problem experiences that they have had because otherwise it wouldn't make any sense to turn away business that's number one but number two if there let's assume your scenario if there is this let's say more hotels adopted that policy well then we, we live in this place, at least until Bernie Sanders gets elected president, that there's this free market that's out there. If there is a business opportunity and somebody says, you know what, I've got all these other hotels that aren't renting to, to locals, and so I, I and so now I, I'm going to capture the local market. This is what I'm going to go after. I mean, that's the whole nature of the free market. But this idea that, oh, you know, there's not going to be any place for somebody who lives within 30 miles of, for example, this particular hotel to, to stay, that that's 
That's silly. There, there's plenty of other options that you have. And if this particular place doesn't want my business because I live within 30 miles, fine. I think they have a right to say, we don't want your business, and I have a right to take my business somewhere else. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're in WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tony. Hey, Jeff, I had a route when I was working. I'm retired now, but I service most of the hotels in southeastern Wisconsin. I could probably tell you which hotels had the problem. When you bring in locals, you bring in the parties, they had rooms that had – I went with the manager to one of the rooms. There was over 30 people, and the smell of pot was just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Then the manager told me he couldn't rent that room out in four, for four days because they had to clean it up, oxidize it. Yeah. I've also seen a whole bunch of stuff I'd rather not say, but uh, it's it's unbelievable, and I believe that the hotel should have the right to that. Well, right, that that that's exactly it. Now, I mean, I think it's again, it's a business decision, and I mean, I'm I'm not going to criticize hotels that decide to rent to locals. That's what the vast majority are. But obviously, some of these hotels, you wouldn't have a policy where you turn away business unless you've had problems with that. So it's, I mean, to me, it's no different than some of these businesses that say, hey, we're not going to take cash. We're just going to take credit cards. Okay. I don't know that I think that that makes any sense, but if it makes sense for them, it's their right. Jeff, Jeff, plus when you rent a room to two people, it should be just for the two people. They, yeah. I saw one where they had to rent to two people. The next thing you know, those two people were with 30-some people yeah. by the pool. Right. That, right. Thank, see, that that's obvious. If you talk to the hotel operators, that is what is generated. There's a couple different things. First of all, it's, hey, we, we want to have a, a graduation party for Little Gruel. And so, well, we don't want to have it at the house. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to rent a room at the hotel for two people, and we're going to invite 30 people, and we're going to just we're going to just swarm all over the pool. All right. That's... That's not the hotels don't want that business. And again, on the darker side, and it's not ev- look, I, it's it's not everybody that comes, and it, maybe it's just a very very small percentage of, of the locals that are going to be there. They're concerned about prostitution. They're concerned about drug dealing. And and is it possible you can have people who come in from outside the area who do the same thing? Yes, but the opportunity and the object is greatly reduced. So they make that business choice. And I frankly continue to believe that the Common Council doesn't have any right to tell them they can't make that particular business choice. And some people are saying, well, I hope they close down. Well, okay, that's great. That's the last thing Milwaukee needs is to drive more businesses out. And again, I... I, I, I'm, I'm not going to play a lawyer on this particular issue, but I, I hope these hotels do have lawyers on retainer who are looking at suing um, because, candidly, um, people who live in a particular zip code or a particular city aren't a protected class as a general rule. Let's talk to Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, hi, I totally agree uh, with you. Um, I'm talking about... The total, the common council has nothing to do with the business decisions of these proprietors at a hotel. It's total BS. They have their own policies. If they have problem clientele, they can just say, you know, that 30 mile thing works for them and that's, yeah. that's good. Other hotels have no problem and they're happy to have people over there. Yeah. You know, you want to go down to Pado and spend a night there for a wedding or, or whatever, or, you know, gambling or, you know, have a party at the Fister and you live in Milwaukee, you can't go there. Give me a break. 
Right, exactly. I mean, th- right, there's all these different, Mike, I'm with you. There's just all these options. Now, somebody has a text, and this is representative of some of the texts I'm getting. Jeff, if it happened to me, I would not be angry at the hotel. I would be angry at the residents whose bad behavior caused them to create that policy. That's number one. Number two, I, I think, look, if I got turned away, if I, I don't know, for whatever reasons, I decided, you know, we were going to spend a weekend at a particular, you know, hotel in the area. And they said, I'm sorry, Mr. Wagner, we don't rent to people who, you know, live where you live uh, because you're, you're too close. Would I be, would I say, what? Really? I, would, would I be a little bit hacked off? Yeah, yeah, maybe. But at the same time, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. It's really simple. I'm going to say, fine, if you don't want my money, because I'm not going to be causing a problem, but if you don't want my money, Great. I'm going to go and I'll, I'll spend it somewhere else because my guess is I can find a ton of hotels who will be thrilled to take my money. I just don't think this is the business of the Common Council. Scott in Sheboygan. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well, my thought is they didn't. I didn't hear any outrage when the Milwaukee Brewers excluded sales to Illinois and uh, non-state residents, and I think that's the same policy that the hotels have. You're discriminating based on geography. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're discriminating based on the geography, which I I think you should be able to do. Exactly, and we didn't hear Illinois residents lining up to screech and holler, and uh, if these hotels are suffering financial damage because of some residents are renting the hotel rooms and not taking care of it, they got to recoup their costs or protect themselves somehow. Well, right. I mean, th- I mean, see that. See that's so that that's the deal. So, okay, you you can't have it both ways. Let us say, just for the sake of argument, that you have a hotel that has this policy because they they are concerned with prostitution and drug dealing. So their way of dealing with prostitution and drug dealing is to not rent to locals. Now, does that completely solve the issue of prostitution? No. Does it completely solve the issue of drug dealing? No. But they figure it makes it better. Okay. So now you have this policy that says, well, you, you can't discriminate against locals. So let's say that the hookers start moving in or, you know, the drug dealers start moving in. I guarantee you those aldermen, now they're going to be ripping on the hotels going, well, you've got drug dealing going on here. You've got prostitution going around here. Well, I mean, if I'm the hotel owner, I go and say, yeah, because one of the things we tried to do to stop this and to clean up our business was we didn't want to rent to the locals. And now you're telling us we can't do it. Like I say, I hope they sue the butt off the Common Council. I hope they win. I have no legal position on it one way or the other. But this this whole idea that you know we should be able to tell the hotels that they can't have geographic borders is nuts to me. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. have a text here. Hey, you're catching up with Scafidi when it comes to vacation time. Well, Scafidi's been here two or three years. I've been here 22 years. So I think I get a little more vacation time than he does. But actually, if if you're going to take vacation, don't you want to take it in the winter? I, I mean, especially if you don't have kids, and you don't have to worry about summer vacation. So yeah, we were we were in Florida last week. And after uh, after this trip, I think I'm here for several months. But I mean, yeah, I, I you know, you're going to take it in the fall and you're going to take it when it's cold. That's that's one of the advantages of of having some vacation time and living and working around here. All right. As I said earlier, most most radio talk shows in the country started off with this topic. I have delayed it for about 40 minutes. Last night was just a knockdown, drag-out debate. Uh, 
featuring various Democrat candidates um, in Las Vegas in advance of the Nevada caucuses that are going to be held on Saturday, even though there has been some advance voting. All right. I, I watched a good portion of it on tape. So last night I was actually out at the simulator golf thing, sticks that we talk about. I do that on Wednesday nights, but came back and I, I watched a good portion, not all the two hours, but a good portion of the debate, enough to kind of get a handle on, on what went on. I have a couple thoughts and then I'm going to open up the phone lines because I'd like to hear what you thought about it. Um, first of all, I think one of the big winners was Bernie Sanders because Bernie is, believe it or not, he is the unquestioned front runner right now in the race. Bernie has a cadre of loyal supporters. He's got his cult of, of Bernie's folks, and it's about 30%. Okay, but, but 30% in a field of six is, or seven or eight or however many people, that, that's, that's going to guarantee that you're going to pretty much win everything with the vote diluted. Elizabeth Warren, well, I mean, she's sagging in national polls. She came out. She was very, very aggressive, in particular going after Michael Bloomberg. You had Buttigieg and Klobuchar, who are, are kind of trying to fight to be the alternative to Joe Biden. They sort of went after each other. I'm not sure they gained any ground. Joe Biden just isn't registering at all. And, of course, the big news from last night is, is Michael Bloomberg, who has spent already close to 400 M as in million dollars, and who is rising in, in the national polls. I mean, two days ago, Washington Post comes out with a poll that shows Bloomberg in second place be, behind Sanders, but in second place with about 14% of the vote. Day before that, there was a poll that was done by um, PBS and Marist College, which had Bloomberg at 19% of the vote in, in second place. But that was before he stepped onto the debate stage. Yesterday, I, I think it would be fair to say that Mike Bloomberg, for better or worse, demonstrated that when it comes to debates, He's a New Yorker who's not Donald Trump because, I mean, he he got rolled yesterday. And I I have defended Bloomberg because I think some of the criticism he's getting for positions he took during the being when he was mayor of New York has been very, very unfair. But but yesterday he wasn't prepared. Now, there's there's no question that that all the candidates decided he was the the new red meat and we're going to beat on him. And in particular, you saw Elizabeth Warren go after, but they all did. And unlike Donald Trump, who thrives on being attacked and who punches back, (laughs) punches back hard, uh, Bloomberg was kind of a punching bag last night. And I I think I was kind of surprised how, what I would say badly, he underperformed in the debate stage. Now, let us be honest. He, He is running a campaign that in large measure is based on you know his campaign advertising, campaign spending, and even though the debate ratings are going to be high, you know people there's a lot of people who who weren't watching the debate who really don't care who are making up their minds on who the most electable person is, but but Bloomberg definitely did for people who are worried is he ready for prime time? He did nothing last night to convince people that that yes, in fact he is except for the fact that he's got an enormous checkbook. So to me, the big winners last night, Bernie Sanders, because nobody laid a glove on him. If you're in first place, if you are in first place and you know you don't make any major gaffes and you come out of the debate pretty much unscathed, and he did, 
okay, you've won. Elizabeth Warren, you know, yeah, she she was very, very aggressive. I don't know that it would cause anybody to switch from Bernie Sanders to her. Bloomberg, I think the big loser, very, very volatile situation. Another debate in South Carolina is scheduled for next Tuesday. And I will say this, I think Bloomberg, if he's going to be a serious candidate, and I understand he's got a ton of money, but but he needs to up his game. And I will be shocked if you don't see a different Mike Bloomberg next Tuesday at the debate in South Carolina. That's what I think. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you watched some or perhaps all of that debate from Las Vegas last night, okay, what, what, do, you, what do you think? Who was Who was the big winner? Who was the big loser? Were you surprised by anything? I admit I was surprised by I was surprised by Bloomberg's performance because I thought I don't know, I thought maybe he had to anticipate that he was going to get attacked and I thought I thought he'd be more of a fighter. He clearly was no Donald Trump when it came to debate. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I don't think that helped him last night, though. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your reaction to what happened in Vegas last night on the debate stage, that is. Back with your calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I was legitimately curious to see how Mike Bloomberg would stand up during the first debate. Because it's one thing to run $400 million of TV advertising. And I, I actually... I thought, I mean, okay, here's a guy who comes up through the rough and tumble world of, of, of New York politics, right? Now, did I expect him to be Donald Trump? And what I mean by that is, look, Trump, love him, hate him. Bottom line is, you know, he shows up in these debates, and he's not going to be pushed around. He's not going to be put on the defensive. His style is this sort of aggressive uh, I mean, go for the jugular. I'm not going to be put on the defensive, etc. I, I I thought that maybe you would see that trade in Mike Bloomberg. You didn't. And I guess that's one of the big surprises that I had last night. Did, do I think it killed his candidacy? No. But if I'm his handlers, I'm, I'm saying, hey, we got to do something because this is going to happen next week as well. Stephen Greenfield says um, I, Bloomberg was an absolute pinata. Um, yeah. Um, yes, I, I think that there's an element of that. Uh, Jeff, maybe he held back on purpose, let others go after him as expected, and then we'll come out swinging next time. Then what they said will be old news by the next debate. You, you know, maybe, you know, but I, I don't think it's overall part of a, a big strategy because all the stories, you know, even for people who did not watch the debate, the stories are going to be how, how terrible Bloomberg performed. And you know what? I, it, and that is not unfair. That that is not unfair. And and you know when you go into these debates, you have you have days of debate prep for goodness sakes. And you would have thought that you would have people on the stage. That the the attacks that were coming from Biden and from Elizabeth Warren, these aren't things that were unexpected, or at least they shouldn't have been things that were unexpected. Trump would have known how to parry them. Bloomberg looked like uh, again the you know the 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 person caught in the headlights of the oncoming car. Let's talk to uh, Dan on the south side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I am uh, well. What did you think of last night? Well, I agree with you 100% on, uh, on Bernie. He, he wanted uh, uh, the other guy. He, he didn't do nothing. And then, but I got, a, I got a couple questions for you. Did they, did they come up with anything? I mean, Bernie keeps on 
Well, same thing, same thing. Everything, everything. It's always the same thing. They, mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything for infrastructure. I, I heard a little bit no. about health care. I didn't hear about nothing about taxes. I didn't hear nothing about the, the nothing about anything. foreign policy. Nope, nothing hey, about nothing. foreign policy. Yeah, no, but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, thank, thanks for calling me. I mean, I, I mean, but see, from the perspective of Bernie Sanders, he, he, he's got his message. And and right now, the message is working. And again, let me just understand. Bernie Sanders, if you look at the national polls, I mean, he's locked in around 30%. And you might say, well, 30%, well, that's not very good. Oh, no, 30% when you've got five or six or seven candidates, 30% is enough to guarantee that you're going to win state by state by state and start amassing delegates. And so the question is going to be, did Elizabeth Warren do something last night, for example, that are going to cause Bernie Sanders delegates to leave her? And my answer, my answer would be, I don't think so. Um, did, did, did she, together with Biden, did they kick Bloomberg's butt? Yeah, they, I, I think they did. Now, is that going to make any difference, big picture? I don't think so. But at the same time, um, you know, Warren at least came off as the aggressor. Biden, you know, if you look at people like Biden and Klobuchar and Buttigieg, the, those candidates, they, they got to do something which is going to somehow, you know, get people excited about their candidacies. And I, I don't I don't see them doing uh, doing that at all. Um, let's see if one of these candidates get elected. I hope they choose to um, ride around on a magic carpet uh, uh, with their un their contradictory environmental statements. Yeah, I, and I don't even want to get into the, the merits of any of this stuff, but the truth of the matter is, if you look at what happened there, it was a good night for Bernie Sanders. It was a good night for Elizabeth Warren, but I don't know that it's going to move the needle. Joe Biden, eh, Klobuchar, eh, um, Buttigieg, eh, and, and Bloomberg, bad night, bad night. But, again, it, it's one night, but... You know, he's got to get he's got to step up his game. And I heard some of his spokespeople and I don't know what they're supposed to say, but they're saying, oh, we, we think he did fine. Well, I don't know what they what debate they were watching. I mean, if Bloomberg wants to emerge as the credible, non crazy alternative to an Elizabeth Warren or to a Bernie Sanders, um, he, he's he's got to step up his, his game. And, you know, and he's he's got to stop apologizing for, you know, the stop and frisk stuff in New York that reduced crime. He's got to be prepared to deal with these allegations that he has about you know, treatment of women. I don't know what his answer is going to be, but you you got to have some answer. And then you got to kind of go on the offensive because the point that Bloomberg has got to stress is I'm the non nuts alternative to Donald Trump. I mean, if I'm if I'm advising him, that's what he's got to hit on. Look, I'm I'm willing to stand on the stage with Donald Trump. I could give as good as I could get. He certainly didn't show that. And let's face it, America isn't isn't ready. If I, this is the argument I'd be making, if I'm Bloomberg, America isn't ready at this point in time to you know elect a guy who's a socialist who's 78 years old now and will be 80 years old right when he's inaugurated. We're not ready for an 80-year-old socialist, and we're not ready for Elizabeth Warren, who's a few years younger, but she's essentially the same sort of person that that, uh, Bernie Sanders is. We're not ready to go that far left. If you want to win, I'm the guy who is the alternative. Now, I don't know if you can sell that, but he sure as heck didn't do it last night. Even more interesting will be what happens the next debate, which I think, again, is next Tuesday night in South Carolina. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Tony Beddock, I'm going to give you this opportunity that I call Spend Jeff's Money. Oh, okay. See, okay. Right, right. So, here is the deal. All on board. Um, right. Okay. So, as you were talking about, our first Brewers Spring Training broadcast um, mm-hmm. is Saturday. Yep. Uh, opening day is it? You know, um, coming up at the end of March. Yes, I I, I should know what day it is. Right, up, but I, I, I don't either. But it, <laughs> but but it oh, home opener. But so in any event, the if you listen to a lot of the national prognosticators, and, and why would we bother doing that? But mm-hmm. I but I do because I I mean I take this all in. A lot of people are kind of down on the Brewers this year. Uh, they, they notice that they lost Grandal, they lost Mustakis. I actually I'm nowhere near as down on the Brewers. A lot of people I think. It, will it be tough to replace Grandal? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Mustakis a lot, but I think their pitching is a lot better than it was, and I think they're incredibly deeper. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I'm just not, I, I actually think they're a better team last year than this year. And that's the thing. I, I agree. I think they made some very sneaky moves. Right. I guess they're not the big names that you might typically expect, but right. they're getting a lot of productive players. Right. And, and you mentioned the depth that they have. I think it should be setting up well. They are going to surprise a lot of people, I do believe. Right. And I guess I, I look at it the, the Cardinal, okay, the teams are going to be playing a lot. The, the Pirates are a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati has spent a lot of money. Cincinnati will be better. On paper, yeah. On, on paper, right. But they spent a lot of money. They brought in people. Uh, but, but, so the Pirates a train wreck. Cincinnati will be better. The Cubs are probably worse. The Cubs were were just they were a dumpster fire at the end of last year, and they've done very little to improve themselves. Yep. And the Cardinals have been running in place too. I mean, the Cardinals have not. I, I don't see the Cardinals as being materially better than they were last year. And the Brewers, you know. The Brewers almost won the division. They came yeah. within a game or two of, of winning the division. And and the Cardinals, like you mentioned, they're kind of uh, stale, I guess. They didn't make a yeah. whole lot of moves. Right. And, and they weren't terribly phenomenal last year. I mean, it's it's a right. team that the Brewers can't overtake. Right. On paper, the only team that is materially better with additions is Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But Cincinnati... In, 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 to me, you got to do it before I'm going to. Do I think Cincinnati's going to be the best team in the league? Maybe I'll be wrong, but no. So anyhow, this is a, a long way of doing that. I I am nowhere near as down on the Brewers, and this isn't just trying me being a homer. I'm trying to look at this objectively. Now I call this "You Can Spend My Money" because next week, end of the week, I'm going to be in this this mythical place called Las Vegas. <laughs> and for people who do not know this, when you go to Las Vegas, oh, yeah. you can take Queen of the Realm and you can wager on all sorts of of different things. And and it's amazing because if you win, they will give you mo- they'll give you your money that you bet back and they'll give you more money. It it's an amazing It's a great thing. concept, yeah. It is a great concept <laughs> if except um I, I've done this long enough to say don't try this at home because you know just you, you think you've got the the lock of a bet and then it kind of all goes to you know where. In any event, um last year the over under which is where you bet on how many games the team will win. And you can say they're going to win more than that number or they're going to be less than that number. Last year, it was 86. I wagered money on that, and they ended up winning 88 games, which means they gave me money from Las Vegas. It was Yes, you're a winner. Chicken dinner. <laughs> okay. Um, this year... I, I was just looking, depending on where you go, because the, the number is different, mm-hmm. it's somewhere between 84 and 85 games. So the odds makers are saying that the Brewers will be slightly better than 500, and 
they'll they'll win less than they did last year. So 84, 85, it depends on, on where you place the bet. Okay, so you you have Jeff's money there. Perfect. All right. And you're going to get to keep Jeff's money if it's a winner. Do you bet the over? Do you bet the under? I think I do. I, I think you'll see probably close to a similar win total as the team last year. I, I think they'll be above 500. I think 81 or 82 is safe to say. And it, depending on if they're healthy, I do think you're going to get a better performance out of the pitching staff, bullpen, and starters. I, I, I'd be Go confident. Yes, I'd Go be taking for the over. Bet the more. Bet I will the house. Take the over. Bet, yes, just sir. do it. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm again. If 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 when I am there next at the end of next week, if I can find a place where it's 84 or 85 yep. games. You know, ninety games, no, but eighty-four, eighty-five. Eighty-five is a good number, I'd I'm, say. I'd I'm, be comfortable. I'm jumping on that. Yep. I, I am. Okay, so I. All right, so Gru, let's mark this down. Write it down. If, February twentieth. If, <laughs> if this whole season goes bad, we're blaming Tony on this because I'll be grousing. I'm, I'm not going to blame the pitchers. I'm not going to blame the hitters. I'm going to say Tony talked me into putting that money on. Okay, now interestingly, the it, it's kind of funny how the psychology of this works because. I would not bet the under. I'm, I'm a Brewers fan. I, I don't. I want to go through the season rooting for the mm-hmm. team to win. It's kind of like every once in a while I'll be out in in Vegas and the, the Packers will be playing, and I, I will I will never bet against the Packers. Right. I mean, if it's it's just because I don't want to be rooting against them. There'll be times that I don't bet on them because I think the point spread is too large or whatever. So I just sit that out, which is interesting because last fall. I was in the mythical place of Las Vegas, and I was looking at the Bucks, and the Bucks, the over under for the Bucks, what was a crazy? What I thought at the time was a crazy number. It was it was the they were predicted to win the most games in the NBA, and the number was fifty seven, and that's that's a lot yeah. of games. And I looked at it and I said, you know, I think they're going to be really really good, I, but man, you know, fifty seven games. That's that's a lot of wins to, to rack up, and and I just I, now I, so bottom line is I passed. I, I didn't bet that one way or the it's other. It's understandable, but I mean, but I, I'm not kicking myself because yeah, they're no. they're going to have 57. They might have 57 wins by you know the second week in March or so because they're like 45 now, right? Yeah, and you're already talking about can they get to 70? I right. mean, it's it's been an amazing yes. season. So, but again, that was one where even though I thought that number was high. I thankfully didn't bet the under because again I didn't want to be rooting against the team. I'm a Bucks fan. I want mm-hmm. I want him to win. I want to cheer for him, but I I consciously made the decision, boy, 50 I think they're going to have a great year, but 57 games. That's a lot of games to win. So It's tough to see this kind of year coming. I mean, after coming off such an incredible year last year, to duplicate it and even do better. Right. That's, yeah, that's so a tough call. I um so I decided not to spend Jeff's money on that one. <laughs> but I'm kind of kicking myself cuz I did I I thought it I go through and it just shows, boys and girls, if you're listening at home, this is why you shouldn't gamble because <laughs> I'm I'm sitting there going I'm going through all the the machinations and I'm like, "Okay, you know, I I just 57's a lot of wins here. I'm then they'll have 50 seven wins by early March. Okay, Tony wants to spend my money. Fair enough. When we come back, 1942. 1942. I will explain. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If, in my opinion, you buy a home near an airport or near a freeway or near a shopping center, you shouldn't really complain 
about the noise that comes from the airport or the freeway or, or the shopping center. I also don't think that you really have a right to say, gee, well, when I bought the house, there were two runways, and now they've added a third runway. Or when I bought the house next to the freeway, there were three lanes, and now they want to make it four lanes. Because I think it is reasonable to expect that over time, things will change, they will expand, they will grow. That is my basic premise. So, 1942. Now, many things happened in 1942, way beyond my time. But one of the things that happened is out in the People's Republic of Madison. In 1942, there was an airfield that was built. It is. It originally was called the Madison Army Airfield. Um, but, but it's now known as Truax Field. All right, so it goes back to 1942, and of course 1942 was during World War II. Truax Field in Madison was activated as an Army Air Force airfield during World War II. It was used by the Army Air Force's Technical Training Center, so it was a major school training radio operators, mechanics, radar operators, control tower operations, and to some extent pilots, all right? Truax, what is now Truax Field, the name became Truax, I think, in the da, 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 1952. So, it, but it goes back to 42, and it 1952 reactivated by the U.S. Air Force, and since then, over the past six, almost seven decades, it has been used as as an Air Force operations place. Um, it's, um, most recently, you know, it's the home of the 115th, uh, fighter wing of the Air National Guard, etc., etc. Right now, the Air Force has a large number of Lockheed F, um, 16 fighter jets, you know, that, that are, st- that are stationed there. All right, and, and it's a working base. All right, so why are you telling me about Truax Field? Well, I don't know if you've been following this, but there's a big controversy out in the Madison area. Because the Air Force, what the Air Force is doing is they are in the process of, of retiring these, these F-16 planes. That there's, there's newer, better fighter jets that are out there. And what they want to do is there's these new planes. They're F-35s. They're better combat planes. They fly faster. They fly higher. They're, they're, they're better. All right? And so what the um, Air Force is looking to do is they're trying to figure out, okay, where where do we want to move these new F-35s and where do we want to station them? And the recommend, this has been going on for several months now. The recommendation came out yesterday that, yeah, we the, the best choice for locating this, this fleet of planes, 18 of them, is at Truax Field. So the plan is, now it's not going to be decided on for another 60 or 90 days, but the plan right now is we're going to put 18 of these F-35s at Truax Field, and then we're going to put another 18 in um, somewhere in Montgomery, Alabama. Now, there's a lot of people in Madison that love this idea because what's going to happen is, I mean, Truax Field brings all sorts of jobs to the community. 
There's going to be construction, new construction that's associated with this new squadron that's going to be there, and that's going to bring millions of dollars to the area. They say that um, Truax Field, just, just being the home of the 115th Fighter Wing, that has an economic impact of over $100 million to the area. And the reality of this is, like I say, the Air Force is they're, they're phasing out the planes that are at Truax now. So if if they don't choose Truax to be a home for this new fighter squadron, there's at least a possibility that whole thing might get closed. And then you lose the jobs, you lose the construction, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So the Army thinks, the Air Force thinks this is the best place to put these planes. All right. Now, there's been environmental studies that are done. And what they find is that for the homes immediately around Truax Field, these these planes, they are slightly louder. And by slightly louder, I mean like like three decibels louder, um, maybe maybe five decibels louder. Here's what they say. According to the final study, the F-35s would be about five decibels louder than the current F-16s on takeoff. The threshold for human perception is generally a change of about three decibels. So it would be a bit louder. An increase of 10 decibels is perceived as doubling the noise level. So it it's going to be slightly louder. No question about it. But it, it's not going to be incredibly louder but it's going to be slightly louder all right there are a number of people out in madison particularly from the left who are absolutely outraged that these planes might be coming to madison and they're saying okay this isn't the primary argument is this is just this is terrible for you know people in the surrounding neighborhood now there's other arguments as well and it's all predicated on the fact that it's a lot of people who don't like the military don't like the air force don't like the idea that you might have fighter planes in their beloved madison but but the argument that's being advanced is oh it's going to be a little bit noisier our number 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line that field is worth over a hundred million dollars in economic benefit to that community if you while I am somewhat, I guess, sympathetic to people who live around airports, and you know, hopefully, you know, maybe they'd be eligible for some noise abatement type of stuff. But the bottom line to me is, if the military says it makes sense to locate these new fighter jets in Madison to replace the fighter jets we have there, even if it's a little bit louder, I'm sorry. You buy a house, and that's why I said it's not like they just put the airfield in, you know, in 2011. That airfield has been there, and it has been operating since 1942. You buy a house around an airport, and you have to understand that you're going to be dealing with noise. And the idea that it's going to be noisier, I'm sorry, I, that, that's, that's to me something that you got to figure is going to happen. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Tim in Hartland. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, this is Tim. Uh, I Hi, am Tim. actually from Hartford. Hartford. So, yes. The actually, and Hartford, that's my fault. My note said Hartford. Hartford. Tim from <laughs> Hartford. Hello. Yes. And, and as the as the mayor of Hartford and uh, Washington County supervisor uh, and an Air Force veteran, I would highly uh, uh, suggest that Satya 
the, the new mayor of uh, Madison take on this uh, as an issue and make sure that those F-35s get stationed in uh, Wisconsin, uh, specifically in Madison. If I had a bigger chunk of land, I'd, I'd say we'd build another airport and we'd put them here in Hartford if we could. But uh, it makes a tremendous amount of sense to keep those millions of dollars, those military dollars, here in Wisconsin. And uh, uh, it might be a little bit louder, and I can understand why there may be a concern. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the sound of freedom. So, well, exactly. Uh, they have to go somewhere. Now, I, I know you, you recommended that the mayor get on board with this. Um, she is on record as, as hoping that the Air Force finds another place for the planes, which, of course, ultimately would mean that airfield closes down. And so you lose the right. hundred plus billion dollars in economic impact. I, it makes no sense to me. No, none at all. And, and with uh, four of our children served in the military, we believe that the uh, strength in military is what keeps us free. It makes a tremendous amount of sense because we don't have a lot of bases here in Wisconsin to take those military dollars that are available and keep them in our communities here, because we pay a tremendous amount of money in taxes to support the military. It's nice if some of that money comes back. Uh, absolutely, and this is the way they do it. And thank, thanks for calling. And again, see, here, here I mean, here, here's the thing. I, I, I can see that these new planes are going to be somewhat louder, but but not not materially. I mean, they're they're talking five decibels louder, which you know, you, like I say, you start to hear it at three decibels, so they're slightly louder. But you're already living, you know, next to a military airbase, and that's one of the reasons I started this topic off by saying 1942. Nobody. Nobody that lives in that area can come in and say, well, gee, I didn't know that I was buying a house or renting a house. I I didn't know that I was buying or building or renting one or whatever. Gee, what a surprise. There's a military airfield there. And and by the way, they've had the F-16s that have been there forever. So, I mean, you've got the flights. Is it going to be slightly louder? Yeah, but but that's the truth. Somebody sent me a text saying, this is like saying, hey, I, I bought I bought a house, you know, with a train track in the backyard, and now I'm complaining about the noise of the train. Yeah, that that's kind of what it is. Or it's like saying, hey, we, we now have newer, we're, you know, we're, we're running more trains. Okay, well, that that's the risk you take when you locate in that particular area, isn't it? Al in Caledonia. Al, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Al. Hey, um, the last gentleman that was on, too, uh, he's retired, but... I'm pretty sure he remembers or knows of the Bong Recreation Area. It was also an airport for bombers. Why right. can't we resurrect that? Well, I guess may- maybe you you could, but but why? I mean, what's if you've got a perfectly good it's functioning? In the middle. The reason why, yeah, the reason why I say that it's in the middle of nowhere, virtually. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. Forever. Well, I guess we spent a lot of money building that. Yeah, I guess, and I don't know. I mean, the Air Force. In, in fairness, like, I, like you're, yeah, you're talking about the Bong, the, the the Bong recreational area, and that air that that place that's there. I, I, I mean, the Air Force has done studies for the last. They've they've looked all across the country trying to find the ideal spots for this, and and I I don't know. Probably it's because this airport is a it's a working airfield now. You're going to have to make some improvements and some adjustments that, by the way, are going to lead to a lot more jobs while they're doing the construction. But maybe that's different from from resurrecting something. I guess I just look at this and I say, you know. You you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You live by an airport. You get what you you know deserve. Um, Jeff. 
I have a family that lives in Middleton, and I've seen these aircraft in the air. The noise is not that intrusive. This really has nothing to do with noise pollution as it does with the dislike of the military. It's just like the left to argue against anything that demonstrates economic freedom. It is exhausting. Yeah, see, that's what I think this is. I mean, this is we, – we, we don't like the fact that it's going to be a little bit noisier, but I don't believe it's really about that um, – either. Uh, here's a texter, Jeff. The Bong Base has no runways and now is a state park. Okay? That, that's why. <laughs> okay, this, this this is a working airfield, and yes, it would be a little bit louder, but all right, I'm, I'm sorry. You buy a plane there. You buy a house around that area. That's you got to expect that's going to happen. Jeff, long time ago, a friend of mine bought a house by Lake Mills. Then he realized there was an industrial chicken farm upwind from his proud purchase. Okay, well, you buy you buy a house upwind from a chicken farm. Well, on windy days, you know what you're going to expect. Bottom line of all this is you've got a lot of the institutional left in Madison who's trying to fight this. They really don't have much to say over it, and it looks like it's going to happen. To which I say. Yeah, that that's good. And for people who, you know, don't want to live near the slightly noisier airport, all right, well, that's you put your house on the market, you sell, you move somewhere else. That's just what happens. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I mentioned this at the start of the show, and I'll mention it one or two more times before uh, the end of the program tomorrow. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I had my 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 wife's granddaughter and one of her friends and my son-in-law on the program they're they're all very active in the leukemia and lymphoma society which is a, a wonderful organization dedicated to trying to to find a, a cure for the, this fairly dreadful disease and got a lot of feedback after they had made their appearance and right now there's this this thing that's going on maybe you've even received a solicitation it's called students of the year and what happens is you have a bunch of high school students from all different area high schools who get together and they get kind of into this competition where they try to raise money for for again this cause and so we're involved in that this year and um, a lot of stuff going on and i appreciate a number of people have donated a lot of friends of ours and things like that it culminates with this giant gala where they have silent auction items and things like that but the the kids are doing different fundraisers and one of the fundraisers going on tomorrow night if you happen to be out in the sussex area all right they call it fish fry for a cause we want to invite you to join me and others at the Fairways of Woodside, a golf course that's out in Sussex, um, to support the team that's, that's involved in kicking cancer. They're raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They've got a fish fry. A portion of the proceeds from every fish fry get donated to the, the cause. And there's going to be, I guess, like raffle items from what I'm told. And uh, the, the golf course is donating a free round of golf for anybody who, I think, donates 50 bucks to support the cause. So it's a good deal. But it, but it all goes for a great charitable cause. And I'm going to be there from 5 until 9 tomorrow night as part of the, the fish fry. So if, if you're in the area, you know, stop on out. I would love to see you. It is a great cause. A fish fry for a cause. Fairways of Woodside in Sussex tomorrow evening. All right. See, Tony Evers, and a matter of fact, in the next hour of the program, I admit I'm going to tune up Tony Evers. But I, I want to, you know, fair is fair. The, the president has deservedly gotten a lot of criticism this week for his decision to issue pardons and, more importantly, commutations of sentences. And there, there's a difference. A, a commutation of a sentence 
for example, and I, I've sent out a couple tweets about this. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. The, the decision to commute the sentence of the crooked, slime bag, sleazeball, former governor of Illinois, Rob Blagojevich, who was serving a prison term, wasn't scheduled to be released until 2024. Trump issues him, he commutes his sentence, which allows him to literally get out of jail free. And, you know, you want to talk about somebody who's completely unrepentant, that would be Rob Blagojevich. A, a story I talked about yesterday on the program, you have this woman from Miami who was involved in defrauding Medicare of $205 million dollars. Yeah, two hundred five million. I, I didn't misspeak. I didn't. I didn't mean two hundred five dollars. I didn't mean two hundred and five thousand dollars. I meant two hundred five million. One of the largest Medicare fraud schemes in history. It went on for eight years. She got thirty plus years in prison. He he let her out after serving only eight. You know, sent sent her home. I I just think the this is appalling. And I understand that there's some people who think the president can do no wrong. In my opinion, he was way wrong on this. He also issued pardons for a number of of people. A pardon is different from a commutation. A commutation is you get out of jail free, essentially. A pardon is you've you've served your time, but I'm going to decide to pardon you. The, The pardon power is immense, but it doesn't let people out of prison. Now, locally, in the state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker issued no pardons during the eight years that he was the governor. He just didn't believe in it. Just as a matter of, even though he had the power, he just didn't believe that he should, as governor, interfere with the operation of the criminal justice system. I respect that. If I was the governor, I think I would probably be very hesitant to issue pardons. Tony Evers is the other way. Tony Evers has issued no commutations. He hasn't let anybody out of jail free and early. He has, however, issued 29 pardons, including 11 pardons that he just issued in the last day or two. Now, I I understand I I tuned up the president of the United States for his commutations and to an extent a couple of his pardons. I have always felt that if you're going to issue pardons, what you've got to find the right person. And, And who would I consider issuing pardons to? Well, it would be people who did stupid, nonviolent stuff, typically when they were younger. You know, you just, you just, you, you make that dumb decision that people make. But, but also, then people who have gone on, who've recognized that they made that mistake, who have paid their debt to society, and have, have lived essentially a crime-free life as a productive citizen for a long period of time. Now, I don't know what long period of time means. Does it mean 20 years? Does it mean 30 years? Does it mean 40 years? But now, after having lived an exemplary life other than this one blotch, for whatever reason, they want to pardon. They, they want to be able to own a gun so they can go hunting. They want to, I don't know, be able to run for public office, all, all those different things. I would at least be open to that. And yesterday, Tony Evers issued a, a whole nother batch of pardons. And to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with them. I mean, here are some of the people that he, he ended up pardoning. Um, he pardoned, uh, let's see, a guy 45 years old. When he was 18 years old, he and a couple others stole a couple snowmobiles spray-painted school property, and busted into a house to steal electronics. Okay, that was when he was 18. He's now he's now 45. No prior, no nothing after that. 
All right. Another guy, 45 years old currently, um, 19 years old. He was convicted of burglary, completed his probation, and now you know he, he's led he, he's led an exemplary life for the last 25 years. Um, you have a guy. Let's see. The list kind of goes on. You have somebody who, again, now is in their 60s, business owner. Um, at the age of 27, 35 years ago, he was convicted for dealing marijuana and cocaine. All right, I, I, I'm a former drug prosecutor. All right, that, that's a bad thing. But 35 years later, all right, the, the guy, he, he's looking for a pardon. Those are the types of situations that I think if you decide you want to be the kind of governor who issues pardons, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think it's reasonable. Robert Olson, 58, stole two calves calves and sold them to a friend when he was 19 receiving a felony theft conviction okay so it's 40 years ago he stole two calves i yes no prior nothing since then paid his debt to society no problem with giving him a a pardon paul anderson 43 got a felony was 19 after he copied a friend's car key and used his friend's car without consent all right, so he, he stole his friend's car. That's 25 years ago. You know, no no problem with that. I guess these are the situations that I, I think you want to look at and you want to say, okay, maybe if you're the type of governor that wants to issue pardons, these are appropriate cases. So I, I'm going to tune up Tony Evers in a little bit, but I'm not going to tune him up for the pardons. And this is different than saying, okay, the reason you're being pardoned is because you're you're You've got a family that's a big donor to my campaign, or you're some high-profile guy that I might have had a relationship years ago. These are people who, ordinary folks who did stupid things, mostly when they were young. They got caught. They paid for them. They paid their debt to society, and I think a pardon's okay. All right, when we come back, all right, Milwaukee's loss is Franklin's gain. I will explain. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The city of Milwaukee has for years and years and years trying to have been trying to get companies to move into not downtown but to move into some of the more economically depressed areas of the city to bring jobs. And, and of course, you have this whole development not that far from where I'm sitting now, down Capitol Drive, called Century City. And it's the old, like, um, it, it's the old Tower Automotive plant and the old AMC plant. And, and they spent a ton of money trying to develop this area. And, and it's been... Largely a bust. I, I understand that they've got, you know, a couple smaller manufacturing places there, but it's been largely a bust. They can't get businesses to locate there. And there's all sorts of issues why, including it, it's difficult to get to. There's no convenient freeway access. You've got the, the neighborhood that's got all these different problems, et cetera, et cetera. So if you will recall, several months ago, the city was popping its buttons over the fact that they had convinced Strauss Brands, which is a, a meat packing facility high-tech meatpacking facility located in Franklin. They had convinced Strauss Brands to locate their facility in Century City. 
And, you know, one of the interesting things is it was kind of a win-win all around. Strauss said that about 60% of their 170 production workers already live on Milwaukee's north side. Their entry-level wages are 14 to $17 an hour. They're going to relocate there. Their plans were to, to build, like, an additional facilities. This could lead to bringing in hundreds of more jobs into a part of Milwaukee that desperately needs it. The mayor was behind this. Everybody thought it was great. Matter of fact, if you travel out to Franklin, you want to talk about what a good corporate neighbor this is. You don't you don't even know. You would not even know that this was a meat processing plant. I mean, it's not like 1910 where, you know, if you're in high school, you remember reading books like The Jungle. And it's it's not like it's this old-fashioned slaughterhouse. It's it's this high-tech thing. You wouldn't even know that it was a facility where, you know, you had that that particular activity going on. But you had the alderman who got rolled by some community activists who decided, oh, this is going to be terrible for the neighborhood. And you had a couple people who started, you know, raising some havoc. And you had, like on one of the urban radio stations, some of the hosts that decided that we're going to get the public upset about this. Then you had the alder person for the area who folded like a cheap suit. And, and Strauss, to their credit, and they're a wonderful, they are a wonderful corporate, you know, um, citizen you know they ended up saying okay look if if you don't want us we're not going to fight this battle i mean you know we're talking about you know millions and millions and millions of dollars of economic activity and and we don't want to go where we're not wanted and and yes we appreciate what the city of milwaukee was doing for us but i you know we're we're not going to we're not we don't want the protesters you know we don't if we're not welcome in this particular community fine we'll we'll not go and so they, they pulled out and the mayor was understandably upset about this. I, I sympathize. You had some members of the Common Council who were a little bit upset. And then there was an effort to try to revive this a while back, but it was too little too late. I bring this up because new story is that um, Strauss you know, is, is now decided, no, we're done with Milwaukee. We are staying in Franklin. Here's the press release that they issued yesterday. After careful consideration, Strauss Brands has decided to stay in Franklin, our home for more than 50 years. We appreciate the ongoing support and patience of the of the mayor of Franklin, Steve Olson, his team, and the city of Franklin. We also want to acknowledge and thank Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett, the Development Commissioner Rocky Marcoux, and the city development for their efforts to attract businesses to help the community thrive by creating jobs and new developments in Century City. So they're saying, thanks for all the effort. We honor and respect each of these communities and our residents. We wish Century City nothing but success in bringing other companies there, but we ain't coming. <laughs> that, that's the, that's the um, bottom line of this. So here's the result. In Franklin, the new agreement calls for, calls for Strauss to develop a building for meat packaging and distribution. Get this, that would be assessed at a minimum values of $5 million by 2021, $10 million by 2022. The minimum values would increase to 10 to 20 million if they included a slaughterhouse. The assessment agreement is needed if the city pays to help the development of all this. So Strauss is staying there. New facility that they might build is 250 jobs. That's 250 jobs that would have gone directly into this economically depressed area of Milwaukee, but now it's not. 
Um, you know, and I, I guess I just kind of look back at this, and if you look at, at lost opportunities, and whenever you hear elected officials in the city of Milwaukee complain about the lack of opportunities for their residents, you know, we don't have good-paying jobs. How terrible is this? You know, look at how awful this is. Well, here's my message to people who vote in the city of Milwaukee. You get the representation that you deserve. If you vote for aldermen who, for example, decide that, hey, I've been given this this great opportunity. There's this business that wants to create 250, in this case, they're union jobs, I believe, you know, that, that start a salary 14 to $17, and they're going to be right in our backyard, and you turn them down because you think, oh, this is a slaughterhouse. I don't want that kind of business without doing any sort of investigation at all as to what the nature of the business is and what a high-end and high-tech slaughterhouse means in 2021. If you just decide you're going to turn your back on this, well, then here's the problem. You're always going to have dramatically high unemployment. You're not going to have economic development. And in the case of Century City, and I understand that there's a couple small businesses that are located there, you're never going to have any sort of development. I mean, my goodness. This is a classic case of a missed opportunity. Could have been great for the city of Milwaukee, but because of the yo-yos on the Milwaukee Common Council and their inability, I guess, to stand up to some loud and ill-informed voices in the community, you've now lost hundreds of jobs. City of Milwaukee's loss Franklin's gain. Credit to Strauss Brands for being willing to locate in Milwaukee, and more credit to Strauss Brands for recognizing that, hey, Milwaukee was not the place that you want to be. And I I wonder moving forward, if you're Mayor Tom Barrett or you're the head of the economic development thing, how do you sell the next Strauss Brands on trying to locate in Century City? Because for all you know, you know, what, what they did to Strauss Brands will be done to you. Just saying. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Tony Bennett, do you know, do you know what year Bernie Sanders was born in? Hmm. 1955? Nah. You want to take a guess, Gruel? What year Bernie Sanders was born in? Would it be 38? Well, okay, that, that's closer than 55. Oh. Bernie Sanders was born on September 8th, 1941. Ooh. Now, let me put this in perspective. Okay, Bernie Sanders was born before the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's to give you a little bit of perspective on this. He was born before the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Um. He, September 8th, so um, he will be, you know, uh, next September, he will be 79 years old. And um, if if he becomes elected president, he will be by far and away the oldest person ever to, to be the president of the United States. Okay, that, that's, that's kind of the, the background of this. Now... I bring this up because there's been a controversy involving Bernie Sanders' medical records. You might remember a couple months ago, Bernie Sanders had a heart attack. And what happened was his his people covered covered it up. They didn't acknowledge that he had suffered a a heart attack. 
until this was in Las Vegas, October 1st, had a heart attack and had had two stents that were inserted into his chest. Campaign didn't acknowledge that he'd suffered a heart attack until he was released from the hospital a couple days later. And after this, a number of people came forward and said, you should release your medical records. Because, again, you're, you're 78 You'll be 79, you know, you know, if you're elected, you'll be 79 years old. And, and look, I, I understand. I'm, I have a number of friends who are 80 and older. I, I have friends, and they are in wonderful health, although, I mean, a couple of my friends who are, you know, 80 or older have, have had, you know, some various health issues and things like that, and they're smart as a whip, and they've got lots of energy and things like that. But the, my friends who are 80 would tell you, I think honestly that they they don't have as much energy as they had when they were 60. And when they were 60 they don't have as much energy as they had when they were 40. And um my friends who are 80, I think they would or older would tell you that you know they're 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 sharp, they're with it, but they would acknowledge that you know they're not they're not as sharp as perhaps they were when they were in their 60s or their 40s. And, and again, with, with age comes experience, and with experience comes wisdom. I understand all that. But I, I think most people, if you're 80 or above, you would acknowledge that, okay, I probably had some health issues along the way. And in the case of Bernie Sanders, we know that in October he had a heart attack has stents in. That doesn't mean you can't come back after a heart attack, doesn't mean you can't have energy, etc., etc. There have been a number of people who have been calling for Sanders to release his medical records. And he has so far refused to do that, and yesterday made it very, very clear that he has no intention of doing that. Now, in December, two months after the heart attack, he released a, a letter from a physician and the letter essentially said that at present he is in good health, which is which is kind of like what Trump's doctors say. At present, he's, he's in great health. But they don't give you any sort of details. Now, Bernie Sanders is under no legal obligation to, you know, release his medical records. Doesn't have to do it. Our number, though, is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I understand, believe me, that people can have health problems at any sort of age. I, I get it. But the truth of the matter is, the older you get, the more likely you are to have or be on the precipice of having various health issues. All right. Do you think it would be appropriate for Bernie Sanders to voluntarily release his medical records? Does the fact that he is choosing not to indicate that, Maybe there's something in those records which might cause him problems if the public knew about it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I wish Trump had released his medical records because he's younger than Bernie Sanders, but I, I think it would have been the appropriate thing to do. Now, obviously, President Trump voters didn't care about that. All right, what about the flip side of it? He's going to be 79 years old in September. He wants to be the leader of the free world. Would it be appropriate for him, given his age and given what we know about his health history, namely the heart attack a couple months ago, would it be appropriate to release full medical records so people could decide whether he's physically up for the job? Or is it nobody's business but his own? 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do I think there should be a law forcing him to release his medical records? No. Do I think he should? Absolutely. Is this a voting issue? Look, I'm not voting for Bernie Sanders regardless. I'm not. But, you know, if I were considering voting for Bernie Sanders as opposed to some other candidate, yeah, I I think I'd want to know what the guy's health was given all the circumstances here. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Couple texters saying Trump didn't release his medical records, but Bernie shouldn't have to do more. Okay, this is my question to people on the left. All right, is that now the standard? I mean, does it for people who've been criticizing President Trump because he didn't release full medical records? Now, it, when you know you're choosing your candidates, does it not matter? And if that's the case, if you criticize for doing that, aren't you screaming hypocrites? I'm I'm just asking, and I and you know maybe people are going to hate me for this, but I, I do think age is a is a factor. I my eyesight. Now, I mean, is is not as good as it was, you know, twenty years ago. That's just the reality. I, I I live I live with it. Don't think there's been any mental drop off, but physically, okay, there, there's aches and pains. I I acknowledge that. My sus- suspicion is, if I'm fortunate enough to live another twenty years, I, I'm not going to feel as well twenty years from now as I do now. I, that's just part of the inevitable thing from aging. I I would. I don't know if I would say I wouldn't vote for somebody, but I would be hesitant. I think when you're talking about somebody who's pushing 80 years old, I, I think that that is a factor. And I think it would be helpful to see that person's medical records. All right. Am I wrong? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Not just the physical records, but also is there anything in those records that indicate that maybe there's there's some issue with um, you know, m- mental acuity or something that, that's going on. And again, I understand it can happen to people of any age. Let's talk to Tony in Door County. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hey, this is Troy from Door County. Not Troy, okay, hi, Troy. Hey, a couple of thoughts on there. I, I was telling the screener, I really think out of all the candidates that the Democratic Party has going in, and I'm not a lefty or righty, but I, I think Bernie's is about as straight as shooters are going to get out of all of them. And if the guy isn't hiding anything... Um, I really I believe him, but I also think that it should be public record for all of them. Yeah, you'd like to know. To give you an idea, back in 2008 when McCain was, was the Republican nominee, he released over a 1,000 pages of documents showing that he was cancer-free because that was a concern. You know, he, he'd had cancer treatment, so yep. he, he released them. And then, then people you know, knew where you stood on that. I guess I'd, yeah. I'd like to see some of these I people do not, I won't read a thousand pages, that's right. for sure. If the doctor says he's of good health, then I guess I, I trust that situation. But, you know, it comes back to, uh, you know, like Trump. Why, why doesn't Trump show his financial tax record? I agree. It just goes on and on and on. And that's that's a big reason why people like myself really cannot stand politicians and, and the way our whole process in Washington is going. Right. So right. with no, that, th- I'll leave you going. No, thanks, thanks for calling. Right. And, and, and by the way, I... I I, I agree. If you're a regular listener of this program, I mean, I, I think the president should have a long time ago disclosed his tax returns. I, I did, and this idea, this argument that I'm, I'm, um, I'm under audit, so I can't do that. That's BS. It, it's just he, he could release them tomorrow. He chooses not to. Now, I, I, 
you know, and people can decide one way or the other how important that is. Apparently in 2016, voters decided it didn't make that much difference. Now, I, I think you should do it. I, I just, I do. I don't think you should be required to do it, but I think in the spirit of openness, I think people should do it. I think people who want to run for president should disclose their health records as well. And I think it becomes especially important when you're talking about somebody who's going to be 75 or in the case of Bernie Sanders, you know, 80 years old, the first year of the presidency. And I don't mean to be ageist about that, but I, I think, you know, pretty much everybody would, would say that, hey, as you get older, you experience more health issues. Let's talk to, um, is, is it Giannini in Montello? Uh, Gianni. Gianni. Hi, Gianni. Yeah, you know, uh, Jeff, I, I, I do think that uh, um, Sanders should should release his medical records as well as is is the other candidates for president, uh, and that and that that includes Donald Trump. Yep. It's it's the presidency of the United States, and it's just good policy and good protocol. So, you know, and I have to I have to say, Jeff, um, you know, I, I am I am. Um, I'm 55 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, Biden, Sanders, and Trump, I think, are walking medical miracles with, with the energy that they yeah. put out at their age. Because I, I, I could not do it at uh, at 55. So yeah, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's amazing for anybody who's ever been in politics. I mean, you you, you know how hard it is to run for office, and yeah, I don't know about. I got to tell you. Joe Biden looks old to me, and that might be unfair, but I, I people age differently. Trump, I don't know where the energy comes from. Um, and, you know, it's, and, and, and yeah, and, and I, I'd say the same thing about Bernie Sanders as well. Biden, less so. Biden looks to me to be old, but people age differently, too. Yeah. No, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. And again, it's and I, I think that's just part of the reality that's out there, you know, and, and let's let let's flip the script. And let's again, because I'm not voting for Bernie Sanders. I make I cannot imagine any scenario at all that I would vote for Bernie Sanders. But let's flip the switch and script, and and let's say we were talking about candidates, a, a panoply of candidates that I might consider voting for, and and would age be a factor? Yeah, age age would be a factor. Some candidates might be too young. I think you know that that's one of the issues you have with Pete Buttigieg. Is is does he have enough experience? Is he perhaps too young for the job? And I do think it's also fair to say, are people too old for the job? And one of the concerns in the back of my mind I would have is, gee, I'd like to see the person's medical records. I, I'd like to know, you know, what you're getting into because, again, people age at different rates. And one of the other things that happens, and I, 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 I've noticed this with people in my own life, friends and relatives and things like that is that sometimes there's like a window you can be just going along really fine and then then you hit a a certain window and and boom it's like stuff shuts down and i i you know who knows where that's going to be but i think it would be helpful and i think it's a voting issue for people to disclose their medical records bernie says no which makes me again wonder you know, is there something in there that he doesn't want the general public to know about? Just asking. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, it is the end of an era. I did not get the roller coaster gene in our family. My my brother did. Uh, but I, I've always... I, 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 
have this interest in nostalgia. And I can remember growing up, going to some of the, the little tiny amusement parks that were around here. There was uh, Dandelion Park, which was um, kind of in Muskego. And, and you know, in, was it Disney World? No, but it was a it was a local park, and you could kind of go, and they had roller coasters, and they had rides. Out at Capitol Court, I'm old enough to remember when they had this thing. I think they called it Funland, and it had, you know, little roller coasters and things like that. That those places, the small amusement parks, have pretty much gone the way of, of the dodo bird. I mean, you have, the, you have large amusement parks that are there, like, and you've got the Disney Worlds and things like that. There was a place called Indiana Beach. I only went there once. But if you grew up in Illinois, you probably went there a lot. It's about an hour and a half into Indiana from Chicago. But it's one of these, again, small it, – it's not – it's not Six Flags. It, it's not that. But it's one of these kind of small, family-run amusement parks. It goes back to, actually, you know, the, the 1920s. But in, in 19, the 1960s, this, this place, you know, it really became a go-to place. They used to have rock concerts that were there. But it was, it was a, a small amusement park. And I, I bring this up because it, it just, they just announced that it was closing. It's, it's been open Almost a hundred years, and the the people that run it, it's been through a couple different ownerships. Originally, it was like family owned, and then you know, they sold it to corporation. But um, they put a lot of money into this. But what they say is, despite significant efforts to improve financial and performance, despite considerable investment in rides and in infrastructure, we simply have not seen an improvement in the operating results at Indiana Beach. And so we're ceasing locations there, as well as at three other of these small type of amusement parks that are around the country. I, I Again, I, I look at this because places open and close all the time. I understand it, but there... There's a there's a part of Americana that dies whenever this type of stuff happens. You know, whenever you have the mom and pop restaurants that end up closing, it's it's like okay, things are changing. I understand. Whenever you have some of the, the small family owned stores that close, it, it it's that. Whenever you have some of these amusement parks that again have been have been cornerstones of people's childhoods for for years and years and years that you think is always going to be there they end up closing and and again it's it's the natural evolution of things and i i get it i understand why you know people want the bigger the best the scariest you know why why would we go to some you know little amusement park when we can drive up to six flags or you know why would we go to some local place when you can go to disney world and you can ride the fanciest and the most expensive and that you're going to be upside down, you know, in, in three seconds. I, so I get the appeal and why that is. And I'm not faulting people. I'm just, I hate to see places like this close. And maybe it's because I, I still miss Dandelion Park.